Well, good morning and welcome to Press Church. My name is Sean Lee and I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, for those of you who may be joining us for the first time, we are so glad to have you. And I want to make sure to recognize those of you watching online. It's glad to have you watching and with us in spirit today. Um, so we're, we're continuing in our Mistaken series today. And for those of you who were here last week or maybe watched last week, you got to experience something very special. You got to see me make a pretty big mistake. I don't know if you guys, if you guys are here, you know what I'm talking about. And for those of you who watched. Um, and I've tried to warn you. I've tried to warn the congregation. I am just a person. Uh, you know, we, we like to take pastors. We like to elevate them. Uh, to a certain level of like they don't make mistakes and they don't screw up. Well, you got to you got to see you know firsthand last week just how wrong that actually is. We make we make mistakes, and um, you may be wondering you know why I'm even bringing this up again because it was so. So I, if you weren't here with us, I screwed up the Lord's prayer last week, people. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, did he really? So like, I was reciting it and I got to. I actually have a new tattoo. It's on earth as it is in heaven. It's on my back. I'm not going to show it to you. No, I, so I literally forgot on earth as it is in heaven. And again, you may be wondering, like, why are you bringing this up? But it, it's a perfect opening for today. So in this series, we're, we're talking about acknowledging, embracing God's grace in our life uh, while we're still in process, right? While we're still on this journey of becoming more like him and growing, we still make mistakes. And so uh, the thing about mistakes is we have to work through what we do after those mistakes. What do you do when you make mistakes? And you're anything like me, you start to see yourself through your mistakes. The mistakes that you have made are now like an identifier for you. They, they become part of your identity. I, 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 uh, I screwed up. And so now I am that screw-up. So, you know, after a Sunday like last week, you go, you can't even say the Lord's Prayer right in front of your people, and you're a pastor? What? Like, so it's like, no good pastor would do that. How can you get back up on Sunday morning in front of these people and have them listen to you with any sort of credibility? You took, like, the easiest, most learned thing, you know, I've been saying this since I'm like six years old, and how can you get up in front of these people? And so, and, it's, and the thing is, so many of us are the same way. We carry this shame. We carry this idea of I have become, I, I take on this identity because of the mistakes I've made. And most of us in this room are probably very similar. A mistake that we have made has now formed an identity in our own minds. We see ourselves differently because of something we have done. So how do we get over that? How do we get over the shame of our mistakes? How do we get through our mistakes? When we make mistakes, where do we go? Where do we turn? And so if you, if you are new with us today, almost every week the pastors get together, we get in the car and we talk about the topic for the day, the verse for the day, whatever it is we're talking about. And so I'm going to have us watch this first video with us, the pastors. Let's take a look. Shame is interesting because not only do other people add to it, yes. you, you hit it myself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, though, if you think about it, no one can keep shame on you. You have to accept it. Right. Mm. Yep. Because I know people who Try. everyone around them has tried to make them feel <laughs> a 
ashamed of what they're doing. <laughs> you say, when you say someone has no shame, there's exactly. a couple people that come to mind. Yes. Right? They should. They but should. They don't. <laughs> we don't usually tell people they should feel yeah. shame, but there's yeah. some. Yeah. Some of you out there yeah. really should be shamed about. Yes. We <laughs> should feel shame. So, uh, that's so wrong. Like, that's uh, so opposite of what the scriptures tell us. I know. But. Actually, uh, who is the one that uh, brings on the shame? Who's the who's the accuser? Right, the accuser. Same. It's the the accuser, the, the, the evil one. Yeah. And uh, we adopt that about ourselves yeah. um, in the worst possible ways, right? Yeah. How prevalent is that? Yeah. And then we live out of that shame. And when we live out of that shame, that's where bad things happen, yeah. right? Yeah. We, we, we end up orchestrating our entire life out of the shame that we feel for not being enough, right? Right, right. Yeah, for being mistaken. <laughs> yeah, 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 for being mistaken. Yeah. And, and yet, we know Jesus tells us that we are enough. Yeah. We, that he loves us just as we are. I mean, that's what he says, but did he mean it? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Isn't that where, that's where we always Yeah, get. but how do you do that? It's like, so... Yeah. So you are mistaken. We, we do, like I said, in this process, mm-hmm. dying to this old yeah. mistaken self, yet we're, we're still not perfect. Right. So. And you're uh, never going to be in this life. So no. how do we, yeah. And, and I think that's the problem. We don't accept the fact that we need a savior. Mm. We, we don't think in terms of our humanity enough to recognize that we need the divine. And that's where we get ourselves in trouble. And then we try to turn ourselves into gods. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's the expectation that we could be a god that gets us into the trouble, right? Yeah. And we should on ourselves. Yeah, we should, we should, should on ourselves. <laughs> we should we should <laughs> ourselves, which leads to shaming ourselves. Right. And we should on others. And then we should yeah, on others. We should yeah. On, yeah, we should. Yes. That's, yeah. that's the problem. Try to heap shame is, on. <laughs> well, that, that, when, when I'm feeling shame... Oftentimes, to try to not feel it so much, I try to dump it on others. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, when you lower somebody else, yeah, it, it makes me feel less bad. Right. Yeah. And so it's this vicious cycle of constantly heaping shame on each other, you know, just so I feel a little better about myself. Exactly. Right. I, I don't want to feel bad about myself. So yeah. I want, I don't, it's too, it's too, uh, in your own perspective, vulner, there's just, yeah, vulner. in your own perspective, you're always right. Yeah. And this is why the reliance on another perspective other than your own, it, like you, you're even right in your heaping of shame upon yourself mm. in your own perspective because it's your own judgment, right? Mm. You're relying not, on your I am own not, judgment. I am not worth it. I am bad. Right. I, I do deserve to feel this way. And this is where the Christ flips everything, mm-hmm. right? And yet we we struggle so much with recognizing that and accepting it. He's the only one that can condemn, and yet he doesn't condemn. He's the judge, but yet he doesn't condemn. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that that has the potential to be life altering mm-hmm. when you embrace that. Yeah. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of people who are, might hear this and be like, What what do you mean? Jesus doesn't condemn? Right. What 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 is that what is that all about? Mm-hmm. Um and I guess, Sean, that's where you're going to come in here. <laughs> if you have your Bibles with you today, you can go ahead and open to Luke chapter 15.
be working through a, a parable that Jesus uh, told. Uh, some of you may be familiar with this parable. It's going to be verses 11 through 32, Luke 15, 11 through 32. Let's read it together. So, so Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So it's exciting working through these, these verses this week. When you've read a, a passage many times, you tend to, you know, you read it, you know what it's about, and you go, and I love when God, you know, points things out that you haven't seen before, things you haven't necessarily noticed. And there were two verses or two sections of verses this week that stood out to me and, and kind of hit me like that. And the first one that stood out was, was verse 21. It says, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I've never noticed it before, but this verse is such a great representation of both guilt and shame. The son correctly recognizes his, his guilt. Father, I have sinned against you, against heaven. That's correct. He was guilty in that. 
But the conclusion he comes to in the second half of the verse is where the, the problem comes in. Because we begin to see shame at work. We begin to see a shame at work. You can write this down. Guilt addresses behavior while shame is embracing a wrong identity. Guilt focuses on that negative behavior. While shame focuses on a negative evaluation of myself. You know the dialogue. I'm not good enough. All I do is mess up. I deserve to be alone. That shame attacks an identity, a holistic sense, one that haunts me. Nothing I do matters. Anybody feel that way? Nothing I do matters. And then you see the son's thought, I am no longer worthy. He was right in his guilt. He went against God. He went against his father. He, he squandered. He did something wrong, mistaken. And that's true. The guilt is there. The problem is the shame. Shame attacks your identity. He went after, no longer is it just, I did something bad. It's, I am bad. You may be familiar with the name Brene Brown. She's a research professor. She's written, all and, written and studied about shame. And she's, she's talking about shame. I was, I was listening to her, to her talk I don't know if it was a TED Talk or just a podcast, but she was talking about shame, and she said that shame plays two narratives. One of the narratives that what we hear with shame is that you are never good enough. You are never good enough. We're all feeling that, right? And if you work past that, if you can work past that you're never good enough narrative, she says the next one is, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are doing that? Who do you think you are? And it attacks the self. And it's sad how, how much that resonates. Like we hear those phrases, you're never good enough. Who do you think you are? And it saddens me how, how, how much that resonates in myself and how I feel about myself. That these mistakes that I've made is now changing how I view myself as a whole. It's not that I did that bad thing. It's like, I am, I am bad. Guilt says I did something bad. Shame says I am bad. And it's just sad how, how true that is to us in our lives that we feel this way. As much as I, you know, joke about screwing up that, that prayer on Sunday or that verse on Sunday, at the same time, I do have to fight like, oh my gosh, I bet there's people who look at me. And, and now I'm, I'm getting this feeling of like, I am not good enough. And I can joke about it, and I'm, I'm a pretty lighthearted guy, and I try to say that I have thick skin, and I can take a lot of punches and hits and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like, we're all human, right? We all have feelings. We all think about things. And so often, it's in those mistakes that we made that we now are heaping on this new identity. And the problem is, well, the biggest problem I see is this is not how God sees us. God doesn't see you as that mistake. He doesn't see you this way. And as we talk about identity, there's another identity crisis of sorts that's happening in this story. We see it with the older brother. Where the younger brother's dealing with shame and taking on this, I'm not worthy, 
I can't be your son because of what I've done. The older is dealing with self-righteousness. I've been here this whole time. I've done all things. Look, when did I get the fattened calf? When did I get to celebrate with my friends? And yet you have this guy who went and did all this, and you're celebrating? Again, let's look at verse 15, 29 through 30. He literally says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. It's unfortunate because what happens a lot of times in the church is that we've become the older brother. We almost would rather see ourselves as the son, the younger son. Yeah, we've made mistakes and we're coming back. But yet, there's a lot of us in the church who we've been in the church and we're doing good things. And now we get this self-righteousness and we look at those people and we're judging them. We've taken our seeming goodness and we've used it as a way to elevate ourselves above others. And we've almost encouraged shame as a way, like, we want them to feel guilty for doing wrong. I want them to feel shame. And so we use shame as a weapon. Talk to someone who's been hurt by the church. You hear a lot of similar stories. A lot of similar stories. A lot of shame. A lot of heaping on of shame. So where feelings of guilt, we talked about the difference between guilt and shame, where feelings of guilt can be good, like guilt can, the, the idea of guilt can lead to reconciliation because what guilt does is it takes the offender focusing on who was offended. I hurt this person. There's an acknowledgement of the other party at hand. I did this, I'm guilty of hurting you or doing this. Where shame, shame tends to take the focus and turn it inwards. So now you're not thinking about who was hurt. You're thinking about yourself. It's a focus on self and me and how bad I am. Came across this, this article. It says, the shamed person perceives themselves as being judged to be inferior, defective, incompetent, undesirable, or unloved. So you may be trying to shame somebody into feeling guilty, and all it does is it turns that inwards, and it makes them feel less. It makes them feel stupid, unlovable, undesirable. When's the last time you were like, hey, I want to go hang out with somebody that's, that's going to make me feel like that? And yet in the church so many times, we've done that. We've been that voice. We've been that shaming voice. There may be somebody even here today or watching online that, that's had an experience like that. And the fact that you're even in church today is, is amazing. The fact that you're able to sit and listen to a pastor talk, because all you hear is that past experience where all they did was heap shame on you. Recognition of guilt can lead to reconciliation while shame traps a person in condemnation. May we be quick to not heap shame. May we be able to change the narrative. 
Let us not be like the younger brother who's only looking at how good I am and what I've done, this comparison of how hey, you'd never done that for me. And what's interesting, notice, you know, the youngest, the youngest son, he didn't need someone telling him, you're wrong, you did something wrong. He knew it. He didn't need someone bashing it over his head. He knew it. And this is where the second verse that stood out to me comes into play, and it's verse 20. And it was the father. It says, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And you'd be like, yeah, that's a great verse. And while the first verse, that, in the first passage we talked about, it was talking about the shame and the guilt, this passage is a great look at compassion and repentance. You have shame and guilt, and then you have compassion and repentance. Because notice this, notice what the father doesn't do. This is what was so interesting to me. Notice what the father doesn't do. The first thing the father did was he embraced him. What he didn't do was go, how could you do that? How could you take what I gave you and squander it? Why did you do that? Are you sorry for what you did? Do you feel bad? He didn't do that. When you think about that, that's like what we want. We want the other person to like know they did something wrong. We like want that before we can give them anything. Like you need to, you need to tell me that it was wrong. I gave you a lot of money. How did you, how did you do that? And that, yet that's not what the father did. The first thing he did is he saw him. He said, it's my son. He embraced him. He ran to him, threw his arms around him. We see that compassion, that love for his son. And the other thing I said there, we see repentance. You know, like, well, he didn't say he was sorry. Com repentance is not saying you're sorry. If you actually look at the definition of repentance, repentance is a turning away from. It's a change of mind. It's, a, it's, it's literally like, if you're, if you're going this way, it's a turning around and heading the other way. And the son literally did this. He had gone. He had, gone. He had, he had screwed up. He had messed up. He had squandered. But what did he do? He turned back. He came back. He, he's, he's repenting in the simplest form. He's turning away what he was doing, and he was coming back. And, and what I love most about this is when you think about what made him come back, what was it? He was thinking about the character of his father. He was saying, even, even the, the servants for my father get food. Even they are treated well. So maybe if nothing else, I can, I can be a servant. But he changed because of of who he knew his father to be. God's compassion overcomes shame. God's compassion overcomes shame. It's not that nothing that happened was wrong or anything like that. It's not, it's, it's not, it's because he's not defined by that. Okay, you did something wrong. You're still my son. I still love you. 
And it was that point, it was that point that led the son to come back. Our vision for the church is to help people embrace their identity in Christ. Shame is an attack on your identity. It neglects who God says that you are. You are not a mistake. You are not your mistake. And I think it's so important that we look at how we respond to our mistakes. I'm going to screw up. I've said that. I say that a lot. Maybe I say it too much. We're going to make mistakes. What do we do after that? What is our response? When we do that, are we going to play that record of shame in our mind? That you're not good enough? That nobody can love you because of that? That you're defined by that? Will you take on a false identity? Or will we embrace repentance? Will we turn around? Will we head towards Christ? I think that's, when I think about this word repentance, it's like there's this weird, this weird element to it, like, oh, you need to repent. Like, there's this weird weighty thing. To, like, repentance is beautiful. It's okay to admit something is wrong. This is what God wants. Like, God celebrates repentance. Earlier in Luke, he's talking about, you maybe you've heard the, the, the sheep uh, analogy where you've got a, a shepherd and there's 99 sheep and the one that was lost he goes after. And there's rejoicing for that one to come back. We, we, he rejoices in repentance. He rejoices in this coming back. Can we be quick to repent? Can we be quick to turn back to our source of love and hope and mercy? And I think when we, when we see God in the right light, when we don't see God as this vengeful, hateful being, but yet, but see him in his compassion, his mercy, we know his character. We can say, you know what, I know I've messed up, but I know he's going to be there with arms, I almost said arms wide open. And that's going to make, oh man, I'm sorry. I just told, if you're a Nickelback fan, wow, I went there and I'm sorry. Again, I'm going to make, <laughs> with arms wide open. I'm sorry, I'm a music guy. He, he is there with arms wide open, though. <laughs> He's there wanting to embrace you. He wants you to come back. He wants you to acknowledge. He wants you to run to him. And instead of taking on this shame and this identity of I am wrong, we can turn back. We can turn around. We can head back to Christ who's there saying, I still love you. You're still my son. You're still my daughter. This doesn't change who you are. This isn't any, any eternal thing of like you're always going to be this way. No, you are my son. You are my daughter. You know, and to answer Sierra's question at the end of this video, God does not condemn. We see it, Romans 8.1. It says, therefore, there is no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've put your faith in Jesus, there's no condemnation. It's a beautiful verse. Because how many of us feel condemned by our past? How many of us feel condemned by the things that we've done? 
and you think there's no way God can love that. Yet just like the younger son, when he's coming back, he didn't see that stuff. He just saw his son. There's some of us today that we probably need to repent. We, we probably need to turn away from something that we're doing and head back to the Father, head back to God. Some of us today are paralyzed by shame. That, that all we can do is, is see ourselves through that lens of shame. And it's not, I did a bad thing, it's, I am bad. That's not how God sees you. And the good news in all this, whether you, you need to repent or whether you're dealing with shame, or most of it's probably both, God is there. He's that father waiting for you to come back, waiting for you to just come to him. He's there for you. Do you see him like that? Dylan, you can come up. What's keeping you from repenting? Is it, is it the shame? Is it this feeling that you're not good enough? Because God says you are good enough. God says, I, I, I sent my, my son because I love you and you, you're worth it. I love you so much that I'm going to sacrifice so much. And that's the faith that we have. That's, that's the good news of, of what we believe as followers of Christ. He knew we needed help. He knew we needed him. After the service, there's going to be a prayer team in the back. And if you need prayer today, if, if you're somebody that feels a lot of shame or maybe someone that needs to just repent, head back towards the open arms of God, I'd encourage you after service to go get some prayer. But I encourage all of us this week to think through that. Think through how you view yourself, your identity. Are you living out of the identity of who God says you are or are you living out of the identity of your mistakes? God does not want you bound to that. That's not, that's not what he wants for you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this time together. And God, I pray for all of us that maybe are dealing with shame today or dealing with a false identity. God, I pray that you would start to break that down that you would tear down this false identity that has taken over us. God, I pray that we would see ourselves how you see us. Not by the child who went off and squandered something, but the child who is your child. God, that we would see you as our, as our father. And even though some of us have really bad examples of fathers, God, that we can look to you as the perfect father, as a God who loves us 
and who has his arms open for us. May we be quick to repentance, God. May we be quick to turn away, to change our mind, to turn away from what we were doing and the things that keep us from you and turning to you, God. Knowing that you're there. God, we love you. We thank you for this time together. It's your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand and join us as we continue this time of worship.